Let's go to Hebrews tonight, all right? Let's go to Hebrews. It is, uh, it's good to see you tonight. Thank you for, uh, for being here. It's good to see all of our visitors here tonight. Good to see the Tyners here this evening. I look back there and I see J.R. Marie are back. Good to see y'all. Amen. That's wonderful, wonderful. And all those who may be visiting tonight, thank you for being here. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We are going to have, right after this service, we need to take just a moment and meet with the church, take about five minutes. We need to meet with the church about an item of business, and then as soon as that's done, we're going to relocate out here in the fellowship hall, and they've got it all set up and ready to, ready to go. Appreciate our workers and our events team getting that ready for us. And we're going to have ice cream social after the service, and we've got all kind of ice cream out there. We've got all kind of fixings to go with the ice cream. We've got cones if you'd rather have it in a cone. We've got bowls if you'd rather have it in a bowl, just wherever, however you want it. And so um, anyway, I hope that you'll hang around just for a few minutes for the ice cream social tonight. Hebrews chapter 12 in your Bibles, when you find your place, let's all stand. If you're able to stand, that is. Hebrews chapter number 12. We talked about bitterness this morning, and it just seemed like it was the will of God that we just take this whole day and uh, address this subject of bitterness. And I want to give you something that was just an incredible blessing to me, and I, and I hope it will be an incredible blessing to you. Now, I want to tell you something ahead of time. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12, and then we're going to move away from Hebrews chapter 12. But if you'll take your, the ribbon of your Bible or your bookmark or something and put it right there, Hebrews chapter 12, because we're coming back there. We're going to come back there, and we're going to use that a lot tonight. And so we may turn away, but we're coming right back to Hebrews 12. And so be sure that you keep, keep that marked. Hebrews chapter 12 in your Bibles, and look, if you will, please, at verse number 12. Uh, the Bible says this, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, verse number 15 is our text. The Bible says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled." And so I'll tell you what let's do. Before you have a seat, let's read verse 15 together as a church tonight. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 15. Ready? Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And you may be seated tonight. I, I'm going to do my best not to be lengthy tonight at all. And... Um, and I mean that, but uh, well, I've got some really important stuff that I want to try to give you this evening. So let's pray, and then I'm going to talk to you about God's prescription for bitterness. Boy, you know, I preached, I preached a message that I had preached before this morning, but I could feel the Spirit of God working this morning. And, uh, and then after the service, people... One after one, people just came by, some with tears in their eyes, so burdened about their family members. You know, the great thing, and it, and it really is, the, the great thing about the message that I preached this morning, in a big, big way, it was really preventive maintenance for our church. 
In other words, we don't have a, I don't think we do at least, we don't have a huge problem with bitterness. And sometimes God leads the pastor to preach a message. Um, listen, how many know this? How many know it's a good thing to change the oil before the motor starts knocking? And, and sometimes, sometimes the Lord will, will lead the pastor to preach a message that maybe there's not necessarily a huge problem in the church, but it's just something that we're just changing the oil and, we're, and the Lord is keeping the motor running um, smoothly, healthy. But, but after the service today, people came through with tears, so burdened about their family members. And uh, because so many of their family members and loved ones that they know are just, just eat up with bitterness. And you never want to get there. That's not a good place to be at all. And so let's talk, about, let's talk about it just a little bit more tonight, and I trust it'll be a blessing. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be back at church tonight. And uh, man, Lord, I'm so glad I'm here tonight. I'm so glad I'm in my place. Uh, I, my spirit has been so encouraged, Lord, through, uh, through the service thus far. And I just thank you so much for every song. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for everything that's been done tonight. Now, Lord, I pray that as we take just a few moments to close this service out with some Bible teaching and preaching, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together as you did this morning. And God, I pray that, that, that we would get the help that we need tonight. Bless through the live stream and use it. Lord, you, uh, uh, you're using these things, and we thank you and praise you for it. Holy Spirit, fill us now with yourself and to the point where you flow through us tonight. And bless your word and help it to come alive in our hearts and our minds. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness. And I want you to notice those words. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. I think there's little, little doubt that one of the major, major obstacles in our society today is this thing that we're talking about today, the subject of bitterness. Now, it may not be a, a huge problem as far as the church is concerned, but boy, it's a major, major problem in our generation, and it's a major problem in our nation. Um, bitterness, listen to this. Bitterness has been medically linked to glandular problems, high blood pressure, cardiac disorders, ulcers, and even insanity. One leading psychiatrist wrote, quote, 90% of all people in insane asylums could be released immediately if they would learn how to forgive or how to be forgiven Sometimes because people have very, very little spiritual understanding, life circumstances can, can often cause people to become bitter against the Lord. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, sometimes a death takes place. Someone that's very dear to you, somebody that you um, leaned heavily upon, and, 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 and we don't understand all that. I don't understand why it seems like the bad people hang around and the good people sometimes are taken. And I'm going to be honest with you, some of that we're never going to understand. God's ways are God's ways. God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are, are not our thoughts. And sometimes, as fate has it, a loved one is taken, a husband is taken, a, a, a wife is taken, a child. And we end up having a, a, a little baby casket in front of the, in front of the, the, the auditorium. And, uh, and boy, sometimes that's 
tough on parents and uh, and when you lose a spouse, that's tough on a spouse or maybe it's some type of a burden. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's a missed opportunity of some kind. Or I thought about this, maybe it's what the world refers to as an act of God. <laughs> an act of God. Isn't it amazing that all the bad stuff, they label that as an act of God. You know, it might not hurt us to label some good stuff as an act of God. The fact that we're here tonight's an act of God. The fact that we have the freedom to worship in our nation is an act of God. But you know what I'm talking about. We'll have a tornado and it'll rip through a town and, and it'll tear up a hundred homes and, uh, and several people will lose their life and people will say, well, that's an act of God. Or we'll have a hurricane that will uh, hit some kind of a coastal uh, area or maybe an earthquake that just ravages an area and people say, well, that's, a, that's an act of God. And during that time, houses are burned and uh, there's loss of life. And if we're not careful, sometimes people uh, see those things happen and they become bitter. They become bitter in their life. You don't need me to tell you this. You know this is the truth. Divorce is absolutely rampant in our society today. Pastor, what's that got to do with the message? Because a lot of times that divorce causes embittered spouses to fight one another. No wonder the Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 19, husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. And a lot of times we see husbands and wives that are bitter against one another. And if, that, if that's not the case, then the children are bitter. They're, chill, they're bitter because the parents have separated. And I'm just saying, I said all that to say this, Calvary, that anger seems to be at an all-time high. People are angry. They're indifferent. Man, we've never seen a time like this when folks just walk in a place and take a gun and they just, you know, they just open fire, killing innocent kids or innocent people. And, uh, and, and it all comes down to one thing, bitterness, bitterness. People are, people are bitter. Now, the Bible refers to this as the root of bitterness. You got to thinking about that phrase, root of bitterness. I thought about roots, roots. Several things, how about this? Roots can cause incredible damage. We have a, at our home, we have a paved driveway. It's, it's nice, it's been there for many, many years. Uh, but there's a certain part of that paved driveway that's sort of broken up because years ago there were trees that lined that that driveway and those roots grew out from the trees and as strong and as thick as that concrete was those roots got underneath the concrete and those roots began to push up the concrete and cause the concrete to crack and to chip you see roots can cause incredible damage roots propose a trip hazard very easy to, to trip over a root. A lot of times when you're walking through the woods, for instance, you don't see the root. You see the tree, but you don't see the root. And sometimes those roots imperil the path. I thought about this. Roots are usually an unsightly addition. Not very many people ask you to come over to their house and look at their roots. Sometimes they'll say, come over and see my bushes. Come over and see my landscaping. Come over and see the new mulch we just put out. But hardly ever do you have anybody say, come over to my house, I wanna show you my roots, man. I wanna show you my roots. You know why? Because roots, typically roots are not beautiful. Uh, roots are usually dirty. 
Roots are usually very low to the ground. They're not high. They don't make you look up. They make you look down. Uh, and so roots are usually an unsightly addition. And I said all that to say this, Calvary, in the same way bitterness can cause incredible damage to your spiritual life, to your marriage, to your home. Bitterness can serve as a trip hazard. It'll trip you up. It'll trip your kids. It'll trip your ministry. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this was not originally in the outline, but something God gave me a little bit later. I thought about this when roots naturally begin to bear fruits. Now think about it. A tree that develops roots is more than likely gonna begin bearing fruit. And that's the scary part. Because the roots are usually hidden, but fruits are very noticeable, aren't they? And church, this is all I'm saying tonight. Man, if you allow that root of bitterness to get inside of you, and that root of bitterness begins to spring up and it begins to grow, you know what's gonna happen? Eventually, that root's gonna start bearing fruit in your life. And by the way, it's not gonna be beautiful fruit. It's not gonna be godly fruit. It's not gonna be spiritual fruit. No, sir, it's gonna be fruit that pulls you down. It's gonna be fruit that ruins other people. It's gonna be fruit that steals your joy and robs your, your, your completeness and your fulfillment. Uh, roots. Uh, uh, often begin to bear fruits. I read the story about Robert E. Lee uh, following the Civil War. He was traveling and he came, upro uh, came upon a lady and uh, she invited him into her yard and she said, uh, Mr. Lee, and she, and she showed him a tree and this tree had a beautiful plantation. Uh, at least it used to be a beautiful plantation. And uh, she said, Mr. Lee, she said, this tree used to be one of the most beautiful trees in this area. And she said, those dirty yanks, she said, they came through and she said, they shot this tree and they bombed this tree. And she said, uh, they destroyed the limbs and the trunk's been destroyed. And, uh, and she told uh, Robert E. Lee, she, she told him that uh, believing that he would come back and sympathize with her, that he would criticize those dirty, no good Yankees. And instead, Robert E. Lee said this, cut it down. Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. It is better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain and cause bitterness. Well, it's good counsel, isn't it? And a lot of folk, well, they hang on to that tree, don't they? They got damaged and bruised and battered and somebody hurt them or somebody criticized them or somebody uh, cheated them or somebody hurt them or somebody abused them or whatever the case may be. And for all these years, man, they're just holding on and holding on to that hurt and holding on to those problems. And I just want to say today, hey, church, cut it down. Cut it down and forgive and forget and let it go. But I want to get into the message real quickly tonight. and We won't keep you long at all tonight, but scripture helps us in this area. And, and we're going to just, we're going to really decipher Hebrews chapter 12 tonight, but we notice some things here that I believe the Bible teaches that will help us resolve bitterness before it becomes a root. And so I'm calling this God's prescription for bitterness. What is God's prescription for bitterness? I love this. How about this? Number one, we notice a consideration of Jesus. Now, you're in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to look at verse number two. 
Now, uh, he talks about that, uh, verse 15, talks about the root of bitterness, but let's, let's go back a little bit. And the Hebrews chapter 12, verse number two, uh, the writer of Hebrews says it like this, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Hey, can I ask you a question? Have you got your eyes on Jesus tonight? That, that, that idea of looking is the idea of your eyes, your direction of sight. Where is your direction of sight? Have you got your eyes on somebody? Have you got your eyes on a preacher? Have you got your eyes on a deacon? Have you got your eyes on someone that hurt you or someone that uh, talked bad about you? Listen to what the Bible says. Looking unto, not unto the preacher. Looking unto, not unto the deacon. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse three. For consider the preacher. It's not what it says, is it? For consider the church member. It's not what it says. For consider him. Who's the him preacher? Jesus. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Listen, church, this will help you with bitterness. You say, Pastor, somebody did me wrong. Somebody hurt me. Somebody abused me. Somebody mistreated me. Somebody spoke evil against me. Somebody, uh, you know, I'd loaned somebody some money and they never gave it back. And, and we, we, we've had a falling out ever since. And by the way, nobody's talked to me about anything tonight. But I'm just telling you, whatever it may be, uh, you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I've been done wrong and bitterness is trying to creep in. Do you have any advice? Well, the Bible says this, that you and I ought to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ suffered like nobody's ever suffered and he went through all that he went through for you and for me. I want you to notice that tonight if you will. Now turn over with me if you would to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah and look at verse uh, chapter 52. Isaiah 52 tonight and look at verse number 14 if you will. I want you to notice his abuse. I want you to notice the Lord's suffering. Isaiah 42 and verse number, 15, uh, verse number 14. Isaiah 52, verse 14. Give you just a second to get there. Isaiah 52, verse 14. The Bible says, as many were astonished or astonished, as many were astonished at thee, look at this about the Lord Jesus. His visage, notice the word, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. I studied that verse out this week. The word visage there speaks of appearance. And so Isaiah the prophet, prophesying of the Lord Jesus Christ and his crucifixion, said it like this. As many were astonished at thee, his, his visage, or uh, his appearance, the appearance of the Lord, was so marred more than any man. Look up that word marred, M-A-R-R-E-D. The word marred there speaks of complete disfigurement. Complete disfigurement. In other words, church, you see these uh, Italian renditions of what some Italian artist thought that Jesus Christ looked, looked like at the crucifixion, and he's got a halo around his, around his brow, and he's got, uh, you know, a, a few prickly thorns, and he's got, you know, a, a little uh, stream of blood coming down this, this side of his head and a little stream of blood on this side of his head. I'm going to tell you something. That was not what the crucifixion was like. Uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he said, let me fill you in on what the crucifixion was like. 
He said, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was so abused, he was so mistreated that his appearance was, was so disfigured that he didn't even look to be human. That's the suffering that Jesus had to withstand for you and I. But wait a minute, look at, look at the next, next chapter. Look at Isaiah 53, verse four. Isaiah 53, verse four. Surely he, Jesus, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we didn't esteem him stricken, smitten of God. This is all about the Lord. Afflicted, verse five, one of my favorite verses. But he, Jesus, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. For our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. I'm just getting, I'm trying to get you to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered like no man ever suffered. You say, well, pastor, other men have died. I'm telling you, other men have died, but no man has ever died like the Son of Man died. And Jesus Christ not only suffered, but I'm gonna tell you something else. He became your sin bearer, and he became my sin bearer, and he suffered your hell. So you wouldn't have to go there. And so we notice his abuse, but, but, but look at this church, but look at this. We notice his ability. Would you, would you turn over to Matthew 26 very quickly tonight? Matthew chapter number 26. And look at verse number 53 with me. Matthew 26, first book in your New Testament. Matthew 26, verse number 53. Wow, what a verse. Jesus is speaking here. They've come to to take him out of the garden, to take him to the cross. And in Matthew 26, 53, our Lord says this to Peter, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Y'all remember that story? Where they've come, this throng has come to take the Lord by force. And the Bible says that Peter pulls his sword out and he whacks off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And of course, we know Jesus reaches down, picks up his ear, and puts it back on. And, and the Lord says to Peter, Peter, he said, don't you understand something? Don't you understand if I wanted to right now, I, I could call 12 legions of angels to come and assist me. And by the way, I guarantee you this, they were waiting. Amen. They were waiting with gleaming sword they were waiting. 12 legions, preacher, what's, 12, what, what's a legion? Well, back in the Bible, a legion consisted of 6,826 soldiers. 6,100 were foot soldiers. 726 were horsemen. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ was saying this to Peter and the disciples, fellas, don't you understand that if I wanted to do this at a beckon's, at a beckon's notice, I could call almost 82,000 angels to come and they would do whatever I tell them to do? You know what the Lord is saying? Fellas, do you not understand? If I wanted to wipe the earth clean, I could do it just like that. I don't have to stay here on the cross. No man's taking my life from me. I'm laying my life down. 
Now, wait a minute, church. You, you say, Pastor, what, what's your point? I want you to notice his abuse was, was horrible. I want you to notice his ability. He didn't have to stay there, but he did stay there. And yet Christ was abused. And although he had the ability to defend himself, thank God. You know what we see the Lord Jesus Christ doing? We see him extending forgiveness. Luke 23, 33, the Bible says it like this. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, and there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Ephesians 4.32 says it like this, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Pastor, I've got something in my life, bitterness is trying to get in. Any advice? Oh, some good advice, some good Bible advice. Get your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You say, Pastor, but I've been so hurt. So was he. So was he. But preacher, you don't understand. I, you don't understand. I lost a child. So did he. You see, our Heavenly Father knows all about losing a child. He knows all about losing a loved one. And so when bitterness begins to try to creep into your heart and into your life, what do we do, preacher? We consider the Lord Jesus Christ and we realize that, that uh, although Jesus was severely abused, Jesus Christ forgave. And because he forgave, we're to forgive. And so number one, a consideration of Christ. But there's something else I noticed about this passage. Number two, uh, you say, Pastor, what can I do to deal with this thing of bitterness? Number two, we see a correct view of chastening. Now, go back to Hebrews 12 again, if you will, real quickly. And I don't think we'll go a whole lot of other places tonight. Hebrews chapter 12. And look at verse number five. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number five. The Bible says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto, un, unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And every son, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Did you know that sometimes God allows chastening to come into our lives? Sometimes God allows bad circumstances. There are times we don't understand it. I don't understand it. I think sometimes people want the preacher to get up, you know, at a funeral or just a really, really bad circumstance, and they want the preacher to get up and explain it. And the truth matters, sometimes us preachers, we don't know why God did it. And sometimes those bad circumstances come. Sometimes it's loss. Sometimes it's death. Sometimes it's a setback or a problem. But I want you to understand something concerning this thing of bitterness. God chastens only because he loves you. He never chastens to hurt you. Now, my mom and dad probably watching tonight. By the way, pray for my dad. Standing in need of prayer tonight. And my dad, when we were coming up, my dad disciplined us. We came up the old school way. And uh, you say, he put you in timeout. My dad didn't know what a timeout was. I hoped my dad would take a timeout before he beat me. I, I, you know, and, uh, but uh, dad never abused us. Dad never abused us, never one time. 
But there were times when I did something or disobeyed and was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be or didn't do something I was commanded to do. And, uh, and dad would say, go to the bedroom. And I knew what that meant. That didn't mean go to the bedroom and go to sleep. That, that meant, it didn't mean go to my bedroom. It meant go to his bedroom. And I know what that meant. If dad said, go to the bedroom, well, you know, that's, that's like the next thing to tribulation. I mean, it's, you know, what's coming. And dad would, uh, dad would get us in there and he'd, he'd, he would set us down and dad would get in front of us and he would give that same speech that many of your parents gave you. And he would say, son, I want you to know this hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> I thought, I don't think so, dad. I don't think so. <laughs> this is going to be pretty bad. I can tell this is going to be pretty bad. But dad would say that, sure enough. And he would say, I want you to know something. He said, I'm doing this because I love you. And boy, sometimes dad would wear us out. Dad would wear us out. By the way, thank God he did. Man, thank God. I had parents that, that believed in rearing us and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Oh, ho, ho. thank you, Lord, that I had a mom and dad that didn't raise a bunch of brats. Now, wait a minute now. I said, oh, let's say this. You know what? When daddy was getting ready to spank us, when it was, daddy was getting ready to spank me, it wasn't pleasant. It was painful. Dad used a belt, by the way. He said, I'm against that. Well, okay. I'm just telling you how it was at our house. And dad never abused us, but boy, he put the fear of God in us. And if dad said be home, you best be home. And if dad said be home at 11, you know what that meant? You better be home at 11, not 11.02. You better be home at 11 o'clock. And dad would discipline us. You know what, church? Somehow, though, I always knew, although it was painful, it was unpleasant, I always knew something. Dad was doing it because he loved me. I, I knew that, that my father was, was chasing me because he loved me. Hey, church, I said that to say this. If you get away from God and God brings chasing, don't get bitter. If God chastens you or spanks you or allows some bad things to come into your life, listen, this is my message tonight. Keep a good spirit and understand that chastening is for your good. In fact, look what our Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number seven. Look there, if you will. The Bible says it like this, verse seven. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with, with you as with sons. Listen, when daddy spanked us, did you know the best thing to do is get as close to him as you can? Because the further away you got, the better swing, the longer, yeah. I can tell I got some folks that are bearing witness with me tonight. I can tell that. And when daddy spanked, I mean, listen, the best thing you can do, don't fight. I never, by the way, I never thought one time about fighting my dad. So I'll tell you one thing, I, you might do that with your pushover, Dad. You wouldn't do it with mine. You'd wind up pushing up posies, my dear friend. I'm telling you that. <laughs> now, this is what I'm saying. Look what it says. If you endure chasing, in other words, take it like a man. If you endure chasing, God dealeth with you as with sons. Dad, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I know I shouldn't have done it. I know I shouldn't have been there. I know I should have been home. You know what? When you, when you respond to chastening like that, guess what happens? 
The chastening's not near as bad. But when your mom and dad chasing you and you stiffen up and get that rod in your backbone and, and you say, you won't tell me what to do, you know what? Uh, that's when things is going to get worse and worse and worse. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had, uh, had, had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection under the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he, the Lord, for, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Somebody said it like this, tis far, far better to let him choose the way that we should take. If only we leave our life with him, he will provide without mistake. We in our blindness would never choose a pathway dark and rough and so would never find in him the God who is enough. In disappointment, trouble, and pain, we turn to God without dismay and prove how wonderful, good, and wise is God's own perfect way. Sure, it takes a lot of courage to put things in God's hands, to, to give ourselves completely, our lives, our hopes, our plans, to follow where he leads us and make his will our own. But all it takes is foolishness to go the way alone. Now we're talking about bitterness, bitterness. And this is what I'm saying, and I believe this is what Hebrews 12 is teaching us something here you know what? When God has to spank, don't get, don't get indifferent with God. Well, I'll tell you what. If God's going to treat me like that, I'll not be back to church. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Did you know God's chasing you so you'll come back to church and be, be at church more than you've ever been in church? And it, by the way, if you want to act wisely, that's what you'll do. God, I'm not only not going to stop praying, I'm going to pray more. I'm not only not going to stop reading my Bible, I'm going to read my Bible more. And God, I understand that you're not doing this because you hate me. You're doing this because you love me. And you're doing this because you want me to be better and not bitter. I remember hearing a story about a preacher's son who had gotten far, far, far away from the things of the Lord. I think his family, I think his family lived somewhere here on the East Coast. And, and uh, this son was raised in church. He was raised, you know, in the things of the Lord. But he just got away from God and got out in a mess and moved somewhere out west, way away from the family, and just living uh, a wicked and an immoral life. And one night he was in his car, and uh, he was in a, just a horrific car accident. And the young man, it was so bad they had to take his leg off. He was just a young man, maybe 18 years old, and they had to take his leg off. Well, the family was on the East Coast, and they were trying to, to find a flight and get out there as fast as they could, but... While they were trying to do that, the, the, the dad reached out to a pastor out west and he said, listen, this just happened. My son just was in a car wreck and he said, they've got him in a hospital and uh, could you get there? It's gonna be a little while before we can get there. Can you go? And this pastor friend said, of course I can. And he loaded up in his car and he took off for the hospital and he, he was able to go back and see this young preacher's kid. And he began to talk and that young preacher's kid began to cry. And he began to tell him about that wreck. And this preacher, friend, this preacher said, son, he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you lost your leg. And the preacher's kid said, I'm not. I'm glad God took my leg. If that's what it took to wake me up, 
I'm glad God took my leg. You know what, church? I thought about that story this week. Did you know that's the correct response to chastening? You say, preacher, is it good to be without a leg? It's not good to be without a leg, but it's better to be be with one leg than die and go to hell and miss the will of God. And so bitterness. Number one, we see a consideration of Jesus. Number two, we see a correct view of chasing. But last of all, we're done tonight. How about this? Number three, we see a covenant of amazing grace. Now we're talking about dealing with bitterness. God's prescription for bitterness. Preacher, how do I deal with bitterness? Number one, get your eyes on Jesus. Number two, realize that, uh, listen, realize that uh, uh, if God is chasing you, he's doing it not for your bad, he's doing it for your good. But then last of all, we see this covenant of grace. Look at Hebrews 12, look at verse 18. This is great. Hebrews 12, verse 18. He says, right after he's talking about bitterness, he says, for you're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire nor into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure that which was commanded and if so much as a beast touched the mountain it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart and so terrible was the sight that Moses said I exceedingly fear and quake look at verse 22 but ye are coming to Mount Zion and under the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to a numeral a company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now you say, Pastor, what in the world does that mean? And what does that have to do with bitterness? Listen to this. In verses 18 through 21, you know what the Bible's talking about? The Bible's talking about a time when the law of Moses was handed down. And it was a tough time. Man, that law was there to accuse. It was, it was, a, it was a tough time. These Hebrews that are being addressed in the book uh, have been saved out of Judaism. Their life is completely changed. You understand that these Hebrew people that have been born again, some of these people are no longer allowed to even go to the temple. They've been severed from the temple. They've been severed from the temple worship. They're no longer allowed to do what they used to be able to do. And the writer of Hebrews writes and says this, don't worry and don't become bitter because what you have now is far better than what you had then. And what you have to look forward to is gonna make it all worthwhile. Look what he says in verse 28. Look at your Bibles. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Bitterness, no. Let us have grace. Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You know what the Bible is saying here, church, and I'm done. Keep your eyes on the big picture. Keep your eyes on Christ. And what's coming in the future? Listen, it's, somebody said this, and I love it. Somebody says it's easy to become bitter about the nasty now and now. Especially when we forget just how wonderful will be the sweet by and by. And that is so true. And sometimes God allows things to come into our life. And if we're not careful, we get sort of bitter and bent out of shape about those things. Understand something. God says, man, I've got great plans for you. You may not understand it. You may not see it. 
It may not make any sense, but you just keep your eyes on me. You keep your eyes on me because if you knew what I had planned for you, it'd blow your mind. But what happens? A lot of times we get impatient. Problems come, troubles come, affliction comes. Bills come pouring in. A loved one passes away. Something happens, and then we get indifferent with God. I thought about that story where the fellow was, and this has been years and years ago before modern technology, was on a ship one day, and this ship got in a, just a horrendous storm, and those waves began to toss that ship back and forth and begin to rip that thing to shreds, and anyway, the, the, the ship went down. And this man uh, wound up on a, a desert island all by himself, all by himself. No one else survived. He was the only survivor of this shipwreck. He woke up, you know, on the shore, half drowned, and, and, uh, and he wakes up on this island, and he thinks, man, what in the world am I going to do? I'm all alone. I don't know where fresh water is. I don't know if there's food to eat. And he's thinking, God, I don't understand this. Why would you let this happen? And so he just goes into survival mode, and he says, well, I better, I better do something. So Stuff starts washing up on the shore, debris and wood from the boat and all kinds of things. And he just starts getting everything he can, starts building, uh, you know, a little shelter, a little, little lean-to, try to get out of, the, uh, out of the weather. And finally gets this little lean-to built up, and, he, and he's sort of proud of it. And he thinks, man, I did this out of nothing, and, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty nice. And then he says this, he said, I better go somewhere and see if I can find me some water and see if I can find some food. And so he begins to go across the island, scavenge for food and maybe some fruit or some fresh water. And a little bit later on, he looks back toward his camp and he sees this black billowing smoke coming up from where his campsite was. And he thought, oh no. Man, he dropped everything he had and he ran back to the campsite just as fast as he could and by the time he got back there, he had built a little campfire right there close to his lean-to. And you know what? The fire got a little too close to the lean-to, just caught it on fire and just burned it completely to the ground. And that man got mad at God. And he said, God, that's not right. You took everything I had. That's not right. That's not fair. But a little bit later, a rescue boat came. And they picked him up, and he said, man, how in the world did you know I was here? And they said, we saw your smoke signals. He said, do what? They said, we saw your smoke signals. Well, it wasn't his smoke signals. It was God's smoke signals. That's what it was. You know what, church? A lot of times things like that happen in our life, don't they? Car breaks down. The motor blows. The bill comes due. Somebody gets sick. Hospital bills are coming in, and we're thinking, God, that's not right. That's not right. If you really love me, you wouldn't let this happen. Please understand something. There's a heavenly Father that loves you with all of his heart. Amen. He loved you so much, he gave his only son for you. And I can promise you this, if he's allowing it to come into your life, God's got major plans for you. Get bitter? No. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Father, we love you. Thank you for this simple, simple message tonight. 
And Lord, thank you for what you've shown us from Hebrews chapter 12. Lord, we don't have to allow that root of bitterness to spring up, to hurt us, to hinder us, to defile those around us. Father, if we'll just keep our eyes on Christ. And Lord, we, we realize that Jesus Christ knows all about hurt. He knows all about abuse. Abused more than any man's ever been abused. And yet, he forgave those who abused him. Father, help us to make sure that we have a correct view of chastening. Lord, sometimes we get away and sometimes you have to paddle us. Sometimes you have to spank us. God, if we're not careful, we'll get a little, we'll get out, a little bit out of shape about that. Father, help us to realize you never do it for our bad, but you always do it for our good. And then, Lord, we just want to thank you for that covenant of grace and mercy. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've got big, gigantic plans for our life. Father, help us to trust you tonight. Help us to trust you. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Use it for your glory, please, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up as a glorious testimony of that. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. That ought never get old to us, by the way, to raise our hands saying we're saved. Let me ask you something else, though. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody here tonight, anybody here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere you'd let me pray for you tonight? Pastor, I am not sure. I don't know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, you slip your hand up. Let me pray for you right now. Is there anybody here tonight? Anybody at all? As far as I know, I don't see a hand tonight. Let me ask you this. How many are here tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me that I'll trust. There's been some things that have transpired in our life recently. And boy, old smutty face has come. He's trying to get me to think wrong things and to have wrong thoughts and to, to quit. And you'd say, Preacher, you pray for me that we will trust, that we'll trust in the Lord with all our heart, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you tonight, just slip your hand up right now. Pray for me, pray for me. Yep, yep, yep. Quite a few hands, quite a few hands tonight. Hey, listen, the altars are gonna be open. If you need to come tonight, just tiptoe down here and, and just speak a word to the Lord. I wanna encourage you to do that tonight. And so let's all stand if you would. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, I don't know. I probably didn't do a very good job tonight on delivering this message. But Lord, I pray you'll take it though. And Father, I pray it'll be a building block for our spiritual life. Father, help us to never, ever allow that root of bitterness to begin springing up in our life. And Lord, to wound our spirit, take away our witness. Father, have your way tonight. If there's someone here tonight that needs to make a move, I pray that you'd help them to come.
God, if there's one here tonight that needs to be saved, I pray you'd help them to come and to do business with the Lord tonight. We thank you and praise you for it all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment tonight. And if you're here this evening and you have a need or you need prayer, uh, listen, we'll be here tonight. And uh, so you come tonight. While While we pause just for a moment, you come.